The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, to the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Midnight Syndicate, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Gavin Gosco from Midnight Syndicate, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hey, this is Yuri Vaughn from Sam Hain and Danzig, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. (laughs) And you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. (laughs) This is Chad Savage of Sinister Visions, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Robert Dr. Frankenfingers from Grave Gear Studios, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Mike from Verse 13, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Brian with Grave Film Productions, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. It's the March 23rd, 2021, episode 232 of The Big Scary Show. And here we are, still continuing to living the dream in COVID town. Or is there an end in sight? With convention season starting to announce upcoming events, things look like the haunt season might be finally turning around. But... In this episode of The Big Scary Show, the Roundtable Terror returns as the co-hosts sit down with the godfathers of haunt music, Midnight Syndicate. Ed and the elusive Gavin talk to us about their new live album, possible videos, and what else is coming up in the 2021 season. And then we delve into the history of Midnight Syndicate. Badger reads the deadline news, Storm rants about Cocaine Bear? In Haunt Minute. Meat Hook Jim returns with Between the Corpses and continues talking about funeral practices in Thailand. We have a new gruesome giveaway this month, and we get another break from Vyster. And the Haunted Vista. In 2021, can it get any better than this? And I'll be spinning spooky tunes picked out by Ed and Gavin personally. 
all this and much more on the March 13th, 2021 episode 232 of The Big Scary Show. Fear Expo 2021 is this week. Over 100 vendors, 30 industry expert classes, and content-filled days over a whole weekend. Special show door prizes and giveaways. Make sure that you're registered. Deadline to register is Wednesday evening, March 17th. Pause the show now. Go to fearexpo.com. Check it out. Get your place in line. If you're an attraction owner or a buyer, you need to be there. Fear Expo 2021 Midnight Syndicate Awakening On the Big Scary Show
have never lived before as they live now. One man has already died and the other was never born. Both exist in a world between life and death. Both long to be human. Neither can ever be. Dracula versus Frankenstein. Ten dead men's bodies were used to fashion Dr. Frankenstein's infamous creature. Tens of dozens of victims have kept Count Dracula alive for three centuries. Only one of these beings will survive their meeting. Dracula versus Frankenstein. Brand new thrills, brand new horror, brand new shock. Dracula versus Frankenstein in color, rated GP. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger and this is Deadline News for episode 232. And we're starting off with some news from the Carolina Fear Fest in Raleigh, North Carolina. After much deliberation, waiting for news, flat-out panic, and to be completely honest, fear-induced procrastination, we've made a decision on Carolina Fear Fest 2021. It's happening! Thanks to upgrades at the fairgrounds, which include new ventilation systems, we're feeling encouraged to hold the event May 28th through the 30th with the obvious safety rules in place. We're also planning to hold a virtual version running in conjunction with the in-person event so everyone will be able to participate. Announcements on guests and specifics will begin soon. Tickets, vendors, films, etc. will roll over from 2020. If you'd like to discuss your part in the event, please contact us via our website or direct message. The website is carolinafearfest.com or message them at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash carolinafearfest. We have this news from the Alien franchise via bloodydisgusting.com. Ridley Scott's Alien is already available on 4K Ultra HD, and it's being reported by the Digital Fix that the three subsequent films are soon getting the same treatment. According to their site, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection are all undergoing a 4K remaster for a planned 4K UHD box set that could see release next year. The Digital Fix reports that the plan is to release them on Disney Plus and Star initially with a subsequent 4K Alien collection heading to 4K Blu-ray sometime in 2022. Star is a hub within the Disney Plus streaming platform for Disney's more adult-oriented content though it's only available as part of the service outside the U.S. at this time. 
We have an update to Days of the Dead coming to Chicago. It is with great pleasure that we announce the addition of actor, writer, and comedian Dave Sheridan to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Chicago, happening April 9th through the 11th at the Crown Plaza O'Hare. Beginning his career as an intern on Saturday Night Live, Sheridan went on to star in the late 90s MTV series Buzzkill, a show where three slackers staged and videotaped elaborate pranks on unsuspecting people. Dave has gone on to star in such films as Ghost World, Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects, Sex Drive, and Scary Movie, in which he played the roles of Officer Doofy Gilmore and The Killer. Oops, spoiler. Tickets and more info for Days of the Dead Chicago can be found at daysofthedead.com. We have an update to Haunters Against Hate, the event, coming to Louisville, Kentucky. Been waiting until it was a sure thing, and it is. My dear friend Lori Cardiel from George Romero's Day of the Dead will be attending Haunters Against Hate, the event, all day Saturday, and will be autographing Volume 5 of the Book of Haunters, for which she wrote the introduction at her booth, plus other items, too, for a fee. Miss Cardile will also be receiving the first HAH Legacy Award for her advocacy of Haunters Against Hate and LGBTQ rights. Here's more information about the show at HAHTheEvent.com. We have this news from the Screen Chamber Haunted Attraction in Athens, Tennessee. If you're a craftsman, artisan, glassblower, blacksmith, magician, chainsaw carver, paranormal group, or any other type of vendor interested in joining us at our first annual ScreamFest Paranormal Festival at the historic Cleage Museum in Athens, Tennessee on March 26th and 27th, now's your chance, with only a few spots remaining. The haunted attraction will also be open both nights from 7 to 11. During the festival, our Lights On History and Ghost Tour will be from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Saturday the 27th only. Please get in touch with Denise Buckner at 423-435-5689 or Heather Garrison at 423-506-6761 and we'll get you a vendor packet with all the exciting details. Get more information at thescreamchamber.com. We have this news from the Darkness Haunted Attraction in St. Louis. The Darkness presents Scream Break for one night only, March 27th from 7 to 10, limited to the first 800 victims at the Darkness Haunted House. Get your tickets at scarefest.feerticket.com because this event will sell out. This is the last chance to scream before Halloween. What'll be different? The darkness gets renovated with new scenes and screams each year, and all the new scares will be done just in time for Scream Break. See all the new darkness March 27th. Get more information at thedarkness.com. We have this update from Fear Expo Virtual Trade Show. Trendy Ticks presents the Fear Expo Virtual Costume Party in conjunction with Fear Expo. Trend Ticks is turning up the haunt scene by producing a one-of-a-kind cyber rave, bringing a creepy flair to the virtual trade show. Watch or participate at Fear Expo or Cruify by dressing up and boogieing down to great tunes by our very own haunt mainstream DJ, DJ Mike Y., a.k.a. Mikey Zumbeck from Hallucination Creations. Happening Saturday, March 20th at 10.30 p.m. Central Time, 
Free for haunt friends, families, and partygoers. Best costumes win cash prizes and fear points. Be a part of the show. Dance, get wacky, have fun in video spotlights from home. Meet new people, make new friendships, and even find your love. And it's COVID safe. Get more information about the virtual costume ball and fear expo happening March 19th through the 21st at fearexpo.com. And finally, we have this news from the Hudson Haunted House in Hudson, Ohio. We are so excited to share with you that we will be allowed to open for St. Patrick's Day weekend. We're looking forward to seeing all of you on March 19th and 20th for St. Patrick's Revenge. We're located at 2250 Barlow Road in Hudson inside Oak Grove Park. Get more information, tickets, and view our COVID guidelines at HudsonHauntedHouse.org. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Two most terrific names in Scream Evil. Together in one shock show. Horror of Frankenstein and Scars of Dracula. Your ticket entitles you to be frightened out of your wits at no extra charge. Horror of Frankenstein and Scars of Dracula. In color, rated R. darkest reaches of the earth. This is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so one of the neat things about getting ready for your next um, haunt season is, you know, looking for inspiration and finding things that are out there and mashups of different things, you know, two great tastes you didn't know taste great together. And I present to you, you know, a new movie coming out probably in the next year or something with, again, a, a fantastic mashup and something I, did, I didn't know existed and I, I, I feel the better now that I know it existed. It is Cocaine Bear. Now, this isn't just, you know, some sci-fi channel movie or, or, or some new Nicolas Cage experiment. No, this is actually going to be a real movie, and it's going to be um, directed by Elizabeth Banks. Um, if you don't know her, she's, you know, right now the host of the new Press Your Luck. And if you're not watching that, you're missing out because literally it's produced by Satan himself. Fantastic. They make these people risk everything for, like, their dream prizes. It's, it's fantastic. You like Elton John? We'll send you to see Elton John for a month if you keep pressing your luck. 
But Cocaine Bear is not only, you know, going to be a real movie, it's based on true events. That's right, Cocaine Bear happened. Back in the 80s, of course, because when else would a cocaine bear exist? It's it wasn't like a bad episode of Miami Vice or something. No, no, this is some drug dealer flying over the woodlands of Kentucky, of course, uh, throwing out of the plane duffel bags full of cocaine into the woods. Um, spoiler alert. The same drug dealer and the same plane. Not good at parachuting out of the plane either. Uh, anyway, a bear happened upon one of these duffel bags and ate the whole damn thing. That's right, cocaine bear. Now, the movie will probably play it up. Who knows? You know, campers, uh, you know, stealing picnic baskets. I don't know. Going to be fantastic. Just the idea of cocaine bear. So, you know, get me my vaccine so, so I can see Cocaine Bear in the movies. And it also leads me to think, what wonderful mashups can we do with haunts and stuff like this? You know, we, we can have some really good things going anyway. I mean, you know, half your audience already thinks your uh, clowns are on heroin as it is. But meth vampires? There we go. Now we're talking. So until next time, keep every minute scary show Facebook page. And on Twitter, at Big Scary Storm. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the March edition of the Gruesome Giveaway, sponsored by our very good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com. Please go over to ScreamlineStudios.com and peruse their vast selection of really cool items, or you could win one right now if you know the answer to the giveaway. We did not have a winner in February, so let's get a winner for the month of March. I'm going to ask you a question. The answer is in the show. Email us that answer along with your name and number to contest at bigscaryshow.com before midnight on March 22nd, and you could be the March winner. Now, without further ado, the question for the March gruesome giveaway is... Near the end of the Round Table of Terror, and there's a hint, Ed Douglas goes off and raves about a song that Gavin Gosca does on his EP, Subtle Inversion. What is the name of that song? If you think you know that answer, again, email it to us, contest at bigscaryshow.com before midnight on March 22nd, along with your name and your phone number, so we can contact you. 
and you just might be the March winner. Previous winners and friends and family members of The Big Scary Show are not eligible to win. Good luck, everybody. Let's give away a great prize from ScreamlineStudios.com this month. And ladies and gentlemen, this is, of course, the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show, where we like to bring you the latest in developing news and entertainment and all things spooky. And of course, they don't get much more spooky. If you go to a haunted house, you've probably heard this music, which we didn't play any just then, but no doubt you've heard the music of Midnight Syndicate at your local haunted attraction convention or around Halloween. The masters of the gothic horror and the evil ambient stuff that it just makes a haunted attraction. We like to get these guys on around once a year or so to talk about new things, and they have some new stuff to talk about. We're talking to Midnight Syndicate, Ed Douglas and Gavin Gosca, both from the Cleveland area and the geniuses behind this music. Welcome, guys. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Very nice to have you guys on here. Before we get to all the stuff you have to talk about, let's introduce our regular hosts up in Rhode Island, wearing a Weird Al Yankovic shirt. Ironically, we have Storm. Uh, greetings from the land of islands and roads. That's all I got this week. There you go. Down in Cincinnati, we have Meat Hook Jim. You know, the weather's finally starting to break and it's getting a little bit warmer. So I'm a happy camper. What, like 50? That's like a heat wave here right now. Nice. <laughs> Up in Columbus, we have the only person with the show to have collaborated with Midnight Syndicate. We have the Haunster Mentalist, Jerry Vane. Yeah, I actually collaborated, not collaborated, but Collaborate, hey. You know. Collaborated. It's, it's a thing. And we're 70 degrees. We were 70 degrees today. So nice. My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, where it was also close to 70 and will be close to 80 by this weekend. Yeah, bring on the mosquitoes. Spring is just around the corner. But Ed and Gavin, welcome to the show. We love to uh, hear about new things. You just announced some stuff this past week. What is going on with Midnight Syndicate? Very, very excited. Very excited about this. We are going to be releasing Midnight Syndicate's first ever live album. And... Mm. Uh, really excited about this. It's a mixture of songs that were never released that were produced for the live shows and versions, uh, live versions of Midnight Syndicate songs that you may remember, but uh, have never heard quite the way we uh, uh, are going to present them in this album. So it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's very exciting. Oh, and there's a couple surprises too. That's what we always say, but there is. There's a couple surprises on here that I... Just that I'm tickled by, and so uh, got we're really excited. And then, and one of the things that we're going to do along with releasing the live album is release at least one music video from every song from every year uh, that we've done the show, which is a total of four years. And it's just going to be a music video, but what it'll do is show some highlights from that year's show. So what this is going to do is not only let 
everybody out there who hasn't seen a Midnight Syndicate live show, which we'll be honest, is you know probably less than small percentage less than one percent of the Midnight Syndicate fans have ever seen the Midnight Syndicate live show. This is going to give them a chance to not only hear it, uh, but see it. And I think that's really, really what's what's most exciting, especially for the people that live nowhere near Ohio and have really been wanting or working during the hunt season and can't come and see it. The live show being Midnight Syndicate Live at Cedar Point or Cedar Fair up in Sandusky, Ohio, which you had in 2014, I want to say 17, 18, and 19, correct? Yep, that's right. Excellent. You know, we were we were there. I think we've had somebody there every year to see it. And mm-hmm. each year the shows were different. So before we get a little bit more into this, let me ask you this. When uh, when the pandemic hit last year, it's been right out a year. My goodness. Um, how did that how did that affect your plans? Were you planning on going back to Cedar Point this? Well, in 2020, were you working on music? Did the uh, did the pandemic bring everything to a screeching halt or how have you guys managed to uh, weather out the, uh, the past year? Yeah, pretty much about bringing it to a screaming halt. Um, yeah, we'd actually, um, you know, it wasn't completely finished, but we had a, you know, an idea in production already for, um, for a show for last year. And we were talking with Cedar point and it just, we, you know, everybody was like in this big holding pattern because, you know, as things were developing, nobody knew what was going to be possible and things were shutting down and are they going to be opening again? And um, they were, you know, as much in the dark as, as, as we were, as anybody was. So it was just this constant kind of like waiting and seeing, you know, what was the governor going to announce and what can we do? And, um, you know, it finally got to a point where they, you know, they knew that they weren't going to be able to do anything uh, for indoor shows, um, you know, which is always a uh, yeah, I mean, you understand in one way, but it's always a bummer in another way. It's like, ah, man, you know. Um, but so that, yeah, I mean, that was definitely that was a, definitely a, a huge component of our plans for last year. Yeah, it was uh, going to be uh, Cedar Point's 150th anniversary, and so um, big year for them. And uh, we had a we had a special show, have a special show, I should say, um, lined up, uh, uh, you know, um, to celebrate that too. Um, and yeah, uh, we really were geared up for it. So, um, having, and, and, and when COVID first hit in March, you were thinking, well, some of those, I was thinking, you know, man, hopefully it's going to pass by, by October, by September and October, you know, we should, you know, but that's what we're you know, hoping for. But then as, as it got closer, uh, only a month or two or three in, we realized that this was not going to, um, <clears throat> Uh, not gonna not gonna happen so yeah we had to really switch gears and figure out what we we're gonna do for 2021 and our plans for 2021 we knew we're not we're not gonna have to we, we couldn't possibly uh, rely on COVID subsiding we were gonna have to make plans for 2021 that were not dependent on on COVID going away so that means you know we have to plan for the fact that you know there might not be a live show this year now, was Cedar Point open last year at all, limited capacities or otherwise? Yes. Yeah, okay, oh, go ahead. Sorry. The, I think they opened, uh, was it July yet? I think it was like the yeah. middle of the summer. Yeah. They had a shortened season, definitely. And then it was, yeah, with restrictions and everything. But I, you know, I was just glad to see that they were able to open because, I, I, you know, that's, I mean, they're very, they're so limited on their window for, 
you know, for what they do and stuff, you know, I mean, it's not a year-round park or anything. So, you know, even taking a month or month and a half away from their season is, is has to have a huge impact, you know, on them. So, yeah, the uh, we we just got an email from them a couple of weeks ago, and and it, they're hinting at the fact that this is kind of a do-over year. So they are talking about celebrating 150 years of the park this year. Yep. So if that does that have anything, you know impact on you guys if you were to come back this year you said you were planning a show for 2020 would it be that show there or would this be something completely new and again we're just assuming all of that could happen if everything falls into place yeah we would i mean if we were able to come back um you know yeah they basically put all their their plans they just kind of forwarded them to this year and we would do the same we would just take the you know the show that we were going to do last year and bring it forward to this year um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully that happens. I, I, I don't think we'll be able to, you know, hear for sure for a, a, a little while still. They're, they're just getting, you know, probably situated for summer and everything first to see if they can do yeah. summer shows indoors and whatever. But Sure. Interesting Remember stuff. Yeah. Now, with this possibility of doing new or with the new music that you've announced here and you've talked about live stuff and you said it was kind of bits and pieces from all the four shows. I know that, you know, one of the last times we had you on there, we had you on the show here. We had talked about, you know, would you guys consider doing a DVD of the shows so that people, like you said, less than 1% of the midnight syndicate fan base is able to make it to Ohio to see the show. Is that, a part of this is are the videos going to be more like performance videos or are they going to be like you know ambient stuff that just kind of matches the music or would it be like you guys standing on stage doing what you've done yeah no i'm glad you asked um this is this will not be a dvd these music videos are literally just going to be that like we'll take one song from each of the four years make a music video for it so we're talking like three four minutes long and it's just going to be a little highlight of everything from that year give people a little taste of what it is multiple reasons um i don't think we're ready to release the dvd yet and um and i think we talked about this in the past it uh, when i look at when i watch the recorded show it, it's cool but um uh i don't know how would you explain it gavin i mean it's cool but like it's not you would we ever the- make a dvd of just the us just doing the show it, yeah, you don't get the you don't get the full experience of of being there, um, you know, without giving anything away. It's it's more than just like it's not a, st- a typical live show where you know you'd point the camera at the stage and just kind of mm-hmm. film the whole thing happening and us playing and whatever. There's other things and, and <laughs> other elements, let's say, that come into play, and that would not be able to be captured uh, really effectively at all, um, you know by by cameras per se so yeah it's not and it's captured really well what what has been captured from our shows because we've tried to record every single one but um yeah just when you watch it it's not it's not as compelling as we'd want so yeah uh you know this is hopefully going to give people a taste and um maybe hopefully they can come on out and catch us or um you know at some point in time we hope to take the show out and uh, and about and we'll come to you Oh, we'd definitely love to see that, you know, midnight sitting it on the road, you know, pick a Cedar Fair Park, go there every year. That would be <laughs> there you know, go. awesome, uh, especially I'm, because the two uh, Cedar Fair Parks in Virginia and North Carolina <laughs> were not open at all last year. Ooh. So, and, and I think a couple of others might have been 
Uh, so, I'm I'm voting for Kings Island. It's in my backyard. So <laughs> right on. Yeah, Charlotte's a half hour away from me for, with Carowinds. So you know that would be that would be an awesome idea. Wink, Carowinds has wink. some great live entertainment. <laughs> down there. Yeah, well, I could well I could see the DVD thing. I mean, although you know you you had such great video production with most of your shows, and the show you had in nineteen was drastically different from what you had in in the previous years. So, you know, I think every, I every year we've tried to really vary it up. You know, I mean, there's there's common elements. There's always like kind of this core um, of what we do, you know, that we want to maintain and keep the same. But around that, the feel of the shows, especially going from like um, 2018 to 2019, huge difference in the feel, the tone. Um, the story, you know, just very, very different uh, approach to that. But I think that's good. It, it keeps the audience on their feet. And you go into the show not, you know, not knowing what to expect. You're not going to see the exact same thing, maybe with slight variations. It's like all bets are off, you know. Yeah, I understand that. Any uh, questions from the hosts at this point? Uh, actually, it's more of a comment. Um, you know, Badger and I are fortunate enough to see the first show back in was it 2014 14 mm -hmm. yep. and uh you know we were just both giddy with excitement because you know midnight syndicate live i mean how much better does it get um and without giving away too much we we saw the first show of the day and we went out to talk to ed and gavin afterwards and ed was livid i'm not going to say oh, why yes. <laughs> i remember oh i was angry you were oh yeah you were I remember. Oh no, I wonder what happened. Do I want to know? know? Probably don't want to have like a flashback. It, you know, let's let's just say there was a timing issue. Right. But that's all we'll say. Oh. With oh yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. I suppressed the I suppressed this awful <laughs> memory so deep in my into my soul I can't even call it. You looked at me and Badger and said, you guys have got to come back to another show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, twist our arm, why don't you? Yeah, it was like, it was <laughs> a brainer. we were I, there anyway. I, I, you know, now that I remembered what it is, I can understand why, like, you know, Ed would have said that because it was kind of a critical um, component of the show. And to not have it, uh, yeah, that would have affected. Oh, that. I think I do know what you. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I maybe I no. I still. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I think it's what I think. If it's what I think it is, yeah. Then I think. That's yep. Here I am thinking. Yeah, all this thinking. The funny thing was, is Badger and I looked at each other, going, "What was wrong with the show?" <laughs> yeah, good. that's good. That's cool that it doesn't all hinge upon one one moment, which is uh, ninety nine point nine four percent of the audience was like, "This was fantastic." Yeah. Why is he angry? <laughs> but, See, it's at point zero six. It went, "Oh my god, what happened?" I can't believe that didn't happen. <laughs> but when we went back to the next show, we understood. Yeah. Like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, when, when it's there, then it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. And, but, and I oh, happen to that's live live theater, man. I don't. Oh yeah. I'm not gonna pretend and, that I love it. I just you and, know something 
we do, you know. And when I went and saw you guys in 19, speaking of live theater, that was the show where, or that was the <laughs> day that they actually closed the park for like four hours because of capacity requirements. Yes, the, they did. The lead <laughs> actress well, couldn't, I tell you. couldn't get there. That, that made the news, too. That was like all over the news that day. Yeah, we were when our too. lead actress couldn't get into the park. Yep, that's right. Yep. Our lead actress could not get in the park, so our wonderful stage manager, no, our tech op. Yeah, that's the soundboard. experience and singing experience came on and literally she had watched it, man. She watched the show so much because she was working the board for it that she was able to step in and actually perform uh, and, uh, perform that. That was, that was well, the cool. year before, 2018. Was it either 2017 or 2018? Um, Gavin, you got to the you got to the venue five minutes before the show started because yeah. you were stuck in you were stuck in the traffic i don't even know if it was five minutes i think that was like into our like late grace period i think it was after the show should you, have started. I, I remember after the show you you because we were going to do the interview and you got you literally went can i go pee first because i haven't had yeah. peed in like three hours dude i didn't <laughs> I literally ran into the theater. I didn't, you know, because I was doing makeup and stuff, especially that year. Um, it was like just like literally get on stage and like do the show and then like worry about everything else. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, I remember that too. <laughs> trying not to remember that. Actually. Great luck. Uh, yeah, that's the way it always is, though. You have an exciting, you know, you have people coming out to see the show. That's going to be the show or something awful or crazy things go wrong that's just the way it is that's murphy's law but of course back in 19 when we we saw that happen with the the missing lead we of course came back to a later show and she had been there and boom the show must go on and it was fantastic and and the audience was just super cool and and we got to sit next to one of the shall we say spinning props in the audience (laughs) that you know a lot of people didn't realize was happening but you know, the person I was with was like, oh, my God, look at this. And I was like, holy cow, that that, you know, that 19 show was was stellar. And and all the other shows, I didn't see it in 18, but I did see it in 14 and 17. And, you know, I love the way that you guys have evolved the show over the years. No, thanks. Oh, it's kind of exciting. I can't I can't say I think that when we first started Midnight Syndicate, I'm, I was wondering if we would joke, oh, we do our live album. But, like, that's what it was, just the time. You're like, oh, that'll be on the live album someday. Because playing a concert, a Midnight Syndicate concert back in 99, 2000, and 2001, we were strictly studio. Like, I don't know if we would have ever thought that we would have had, you know, done concerts, let alone enough concerts that we can actually put together, like, a live album. Is that well, the technology And the technology was, was nothing like it is now. Yeah, yeah, they were using a lot of the similar things that I used when I did the first Midnight Syndicate live shows way back in 98, you know, <clears throat> not quite the same. Though. I know you're right. The technology, technology is crazy, amazing right now. Just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that's not too big of a stretch, though, is it, Gavin? What's that? The, the, that we would have thought that we would be doing a live album, Midnight Syndicate would be doing a live album? No, because, no, I mean, there's so much that goes into put, being able to put on a live production that's compelling um, that's where like Cedar Point's been like a huge, um, hugely awesome asset to be able to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for us to to try and do all of that, you know, ourselves, I think that's where you you have to kind of step back and go, you know, would this even have been possible? You know, let alone on multiple years with different shows. I mean, that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. How much of the live album, so to speak, is going to be? 
stuff we've never heard of before versus some things we did hear from the shows and and other things. Is there a lot of new original music on this? Well, the, uh, everything that you hear in on the um, from the live album is, of course, stuff that we use that 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 appears in the shows. It's just that there's several tracks uh, that that we never released. Midnight Syndicate never released. So they'll be totally new for people that have never seen the show. And um, yes, there's just there's one little short track that was actually never released or used in the show uh, that that makes it on there. But um, interesting, yeah. But most of it, most of the music that you'll hear are just songs that were not, you know, um, that we wrote specifically for the show. And that's kind of it's, that's a nice little thing to add because now people will be able to hear some uh, something that's not just you know a pre-existing song. One of the things I love about live albums is crowd reaction. So is this recordings from like a weekend or did you guys pick and choose? And what did you think uh, in that process with any crowd reaction to the live? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question though. Are we going to be disappointing him, Gavin? No, no, no. I don't think at all. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, it's, we picked from, what are we, we selected from, well, it's all four years. So, um, and it's different days uh, from each one of those four four years. What really decided what song, what versions of the song we used was the recording quality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, unfortunately, these these um, what we were working with as far as the raw audio files was um, it, not exactly. You know, it wasn't multi-track audio that we had gone into planning on doing a live album. You know, when we were recording it, you know, they were pulled off of sources that were. You know, in high, like if we had if we had been planning to do this, we would have done it obviously a lot differently. But um, that being said, you know, um, it it ended up I think better than you know either of us kind of expected going in. But that was one of the biggest limitations: is what do we have? Like, what recordings are there of these shows? Because obviously, not every single show is recorded. You know, with every song, uh, and then what is the quality like? You know. Um, is there a distortion on a track? Is it a good performance? Is it, you know, a good crowd react? Whatever, you know, whatever the criteria happen to be. And there's a little bit, of, and there's some crowd in there. Um, there are also tracks where we, we, we just don't, we roll out and you don't hear the crowd at the end and stuff like that. There's reasons for that, I think, too. Yeah, but, not, I mean, um, not every, like the crowd didn't react after every song, too, because, you know, some some of the songs kind of went, you know, m like melded together. And then sometimes it was like uncertain as to what was going to happen next. Like, we'd end a song and I guess they could have clapped, but they had no idea what was coming yeah, next. So, the, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, is this time to clap or, you yeah. know? Yeah, but there is some, there's some, that it, there's, there, I, I, now that I think about it, uh, there's a couple elements, there's a couple moments on there you'll really like Storm. Yeah. 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 There's, there's especially, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Oh, I, always, awesome. I always end up saying too much, but yeah. You'll be happy a couple times there, you really get a kick out of it. I want to remind you guys, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show with our very special guests, Egg Douglas and Gavin Gosca from Midnight Syndicate. And our regular co-host, we're going to take a very short break to play this very important message, and we'll be right back. It's back. It's bigger. And it's better than ever. Transworld's Halloween and Attraction Show is back at the America Center in St. Louis, May 6th through the 9th. You've been waiting patiently for all the classes, seminars, special events, and of course that trade show floor filled with all your favorite and many brand new vendors. 
with wider aisles for social distancing, a mandatory mask requirement, and all COVID protocols in effect, as determined by the city of St. Louis and the state of Missouri, Trans World will be bigger, better, and safer for everyone. But what about the Christmas show? Trans World's Christmas show will be co-located with the Halloween and Attraction show, as well as the Room Escape Conference, catering to the Room Escape, virtual reality, and adventure game industries. So what are you waiting for? Get to HAAShow.com and get registered today. HAAShow.com and we'll see you in St. Louis. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror. We are talking to Ed Douglas and Gavin Gosca of Midnight Syndicate. And a very interesting tidbit that was mentioned during the break. This is their 25th year. They kind of, they met, started, created Midnight Syndicate in 1996. Oh my goodness. A quarter of a century of this amazing music. Uh, Ed and Gavin, you know, um, before the show, we had mentioned that a few weeks ago, we had Dick Terhune on the show. We were talking with him and then we kind of, Asked him how he became the voice of hell. And, and you know, we've touched on it over the years, but we've never really gotten in-depth about it. Uh, the year's 1996. You guys are, you know, thinking, you know what we need? We need ambient gothic haunted house music for the haunted house industry. I'm sure that was all it took for you guys to create Midnight Syndicate. Or was it something a little bit more than that? How did you guys meet? How did you guys decide this is something that the haunted in- attraction industry needed? Or was it just something you wanted to do and kind of hoped that something like the haunted attraction industry would pick up on it? Wow. There's a lot, there's a lot to unwrap there. Um, we try. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, geez. Um, so, man. So, Mid- Midnight Syndicates, I would suppose, start. My first project out of college was the original Dead Matter movie, which was shot on super VHS, micro-budget film. Uh, the most rewarding aspect of creating that, though it was a lot of fun, it was really cool, um, was one of the things I liked most, though, was doing the music for it. And so when the movie was completed, and of course, you know, it didn't like, you know, it was shot on super VHS. I mean, it was only, it was only able to go so far and just people volunteering their time. It was a really great experience, but it's not like it's going to um, set you up uh, financially. The next, I, what I decided to do is focus more on, on music. Um, and that's when I, that's when I went to, 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 to formally start midnight syndicate, which is an idea I had back in college. Um, and the idea literally was just to create a band whose music would be soundtracks to imaginary films. That was the whole goal of, Mid- of Midnight Syndicate, and still is, I think, to this day. The idea was that you're going to put, you could put on the music, mostly instrumental, because lyrics can sometimes get in the way, and just let the music and sound effects kind of take you to to a, a world of your own creation. And, and so um, I had met Gavin um, because he set me up with my studio. He worked at the local music store, and um, he, gave, uh, he helped me create um, 
the first dungeon. Uh, my all my music, all the equipment that I used to score the first Dead Matter and everything like that, he had set it up. So he was, we were uh, more acquaintances at that point in time, but you know we you know saw each other quite a bit because I was you know just you know working in music and stuff. Um, and and so what I did for the the first Midnight Syndicate album was really more of a solo project for me. Um, and, um, still with the idea of just doing the soundtracks to imaginary films. And I remember, uh, I had a bunch of songs and I took them to Gavin for him to listen to. And because I had to decide which ones we were going to, you know, put on the album. Um, and so he was in from the very beginning, giving me feedback on things that he liked and didn't like, um, for that first album. But the, but the thing with the first album is it was a little bit, it was really eclectic. It wasn't. There was a lot of songs on that first album that would become Midnight Syndicate songs later. There were a lot of songs that sound like something that could be Midnight Syndicate. And then there's other songs that were just totally different theme. Because the idea was we're going to do soundtracks to imaginary films. We didn't say whether it was all going to be dark or it was going to be like uh, more lighthearted or whatever. But I said it has an overriding dark theme, I would say. But just stylistically, it was all over the place. So put that album, put that album out. Um, not a whole, not much happening because it was too eclectic. People couldn't put a, first of all, you're doing something that's crazy. Like what soundtracks to imaginary films, that's a crazy concept. And so nobody, everybody's like, what's that? And they, you know, so that didn't help. And the fact that the styles were a little more eclectic, that didn't help, that didn't help either. And it didn't find, uh, an audience. It was just like, some people would like some of the songs and people hate the other ones or vice versa. So, um, Immediately after releasing the album, I put together a Midnight Syndicate live show, which um, was much like what we do now, uh, a combination of live action and film and, uh, and people playing in a concert. And, um, and the idea was to promote the, the first album. And so set up in a, in a theater in downtown Cleveland, did a couple, a month and a half of those shows. Another time where Gavin came on out and saw um, the shows. Uh, we talked about them a lot, and, and 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 Gavin, I'm not, I'm just kind of rolling here, but I know that you, you know, like the shows, like some of the darker yeah. elements to it and stuff like that. So really, that common ground that we that we could have together. And it was at one of those shows that Gavin said, "Hey, if you ever want to do something, you know, together, especially I like your darker." darker material here and stuff like that um let me know and and sure enough after those live shows were completed um again live shows like the live album were really eclectic it was a lot of dark stuff but then there was also some comedic elements mixed in and yeah. so people came in and some people loved the comedy but the dark stuff was way too dark for them other people you know love the dark stuff but could you know care less about the, the com comedic elements so again um, a little all over the board. So I knew immediately after that live show that I needed to hone in on a particular theme, a particular style. And so I went back to the things that I love most. I went back to the music that, that I do best and just what's most part of me, which is the dark horror stuff. That's always been a part of me and everything I've ever done has always had a horror aspect to it. So I knew that the next Midnight Syndicate album was going to have to have much darker. Let's just have a dark theme and and have that horror theme run through the whole thing and that's when at that point in time um we brought in um i approached joe vargo 
he had he had we had talked before we had known each other from before had um the artwork um and definitely had the marketing um idea of how to market and the image and stuff like that all down and but i really needed a writing partner i really needed i had written all the stuff on that first album i really needed a partner somebody to share the creative load with and that's when i reached out to gavin and um he had our, I already known that he had blown me away from just like meeting him at the store and hearing him play. But when I went to see him perform in his own uh, live show that he was doing at a cafe, um, I heard him playing this music and some of these songs were like so amazing. I'm like, oh my God, I got to find out who that is because that's the direction I want to take Midnight Syndicate in. And it turns out it was his originals that he later released on, on something um, recently. Uh, let, uh, but at that point, I was like, oh my God, we're on the same page. And We've always been on the same page, the two of us. And right, Gavin, I, that yeah. is totally, that's no, a whole, you're that's a whole good lot. That's, you're, I was kind of impressed with two things when I saw the, the multimedia show. One was, I, I thought the, com the comedic elements were absolutely freaking brilliant. Uh, it was this very surreal kind of, like, way out there kind of comedy. I'm like, oh, that's, I just loved it. But the other thing, and, and this is more in my, like, more in my wheelhouse, because um, I I'm, I don't do comedy, you know. I saw the, the horror aspects, and I'm like, well, that's something that I can I can help with. That's something that, you know, maybe I can contribute in some way to. Uh, and when Ed, you know, approached me with the idea of doing Born of the Night, which was an exclusively dark, you know, Halloween-oriented um, instrumental album, I'm like, this is exactly, like, what isn't out right now. Like, this is what I would have loved to hear when I was doing these little makeshift haunted houses in my base, my parents' basement, you know? Like, this would have been a cool soundtrack for that, you know? Um, so I, I just jumped on I me. Mean, I knew it was something I wanted to be a part of. Um, you know, but strangely enough, like, I know we have different backgrounds. I was coming more from, like, a... I don't know, I guess more of an experimental. I'd written some kind of like more poppy, folky things too, but my background is more from like the mysteriously experimental side of things. Like I had these new age kind of oriented instrumentals that I'd been recording like way back in the day and stuff. And, um, you know, it, it, it was a challenge to me to kind of get on board with what, you know, Ed kind of was doing with this, where it's, it's all very dark and it's very you know, like orchestral and symphonic and stuff. But I think that was one of the, the most rewarding things is, you know, when you're involved in something that kind of pushes you creatively, you come out of it um, having learned something, but also having kind of grown, you know, as a as a writer and in, in, in all creative ways. So that was one of the, the coolest things, you know, coming off of Born of the Night is like looking back on it going, hey, you know, I was able to kind of pull my writing along and kind of did this thing. And what a great thing to be involved with and everything. Gavin, were you a, a big Wyndham Hill Records fan? Not so much Wyndham Hill. I was into like Vangelis, definitely. You know, the funny thing is, I just, this is about a month ago, um, I started uh, thinking about some of the old radio programs I used to listen to. One of them was called Hearts of Space. We used to play on college radio at night. And I used to fall asleep to this thing, you know, like it was like, I don't know, it started at like eight or nine at night. It would run for four hours. And it was all this ambient like space music and stuff. And I, I couldn't even... Um, Roach was his last name. There's another uh, composer that I used to listen. I can't think of what his first name was. But I used to love that stuff. It would just, like, take you away into this other world and stuff. That's the kind of stuff. More of the electronic side rather than the jazzy. I wasn't really into the jazzy stuff. Like the... Uh, who was on Wyndham Hill? Was that... Um, Michael Hedges, Leo Kotke. Was Spyro Gyra on there, too, at one point? 
possibly they're a little more jazzy. I jazzy, think. yeah, yeah. I, I'm I was familiar with some of the artists on there, but I was more into like the real just electronic kind of pull you out of the universe kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I was a big Michael Hedges fan back in college, and you know, especially when he would play like twelve string harp guitar, or twenty yeah. string harp guitar, and and stuff like that. Because it's there is just an absolute brilliant piece of music. But uh, how did you guys decide to take the music that you were creating, especially when you guys made Born of the Night? How did you market it initially to the haunted house industry? Was it a convention or did you just like go to some of the haunts in the Cleveland area and say, here, listen, play this? Yeah, that's I mean, a little bit of everything. We that's when we put this. When I first decided when we put Born of the Night out, we knew that it was necessarily unlike anything out there um, because it was mostly music. The sound effects were kind of sec. I'll say there was nothing really much like it out there in the Halloween world, haunted house world, because it was mostly music um, uh, and the sound effects were more secondary. Um, That's what differentiated that. And just what we were using, the, the orchestral sound of what we were doing was different from what was, what was out there. And then again, just nobody was putting out soundtracks to imaginary films back in, you know, 97, 98. So um, what we did is we were like, this is, it was like, we've got to find our audience, the people that are going to like this Midnight Syndicate style album. Um, and and that was really simple. It's people that love Halloween, people that are looking for background music in their events or their haunted houses. And people that are, are playing uh, role-playing games are looking to have someone play in the background while they play their games. And so we just went out and targeted them. The first place that we ever went to was a Halloween store. And the guy was in the store, and we walked in, and we said, you know, and he recognized um, Joseph's art right away, and he thought, that's pretty cool. And he says, well, let's listen to this. So he puts it in, in this, this uh, boom box, and starts playing it in this Halloween store. And there's one customer in there. And as soon as he got in, like, the first 30 seconds, the customer was, like, leaning over to, like, there. I was like, well, can I buy that? Like, and it was just really that magical moment because the store owner was just sitting there going, this is amazing. And he's just flipping through it. And, and, and it was just so cool. And it really just took from, from there. Um, we went to all the, all the stores, all the Halloween stores in our area. And, and from there... We said, well, where else? Who else is selling Halloween CDs? Uh, we see them at our local record store. So we went to the local record store and went to the manager and the branch managers kind of climbed our way up and 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 got ourselves into the that Halloween into record stores and and bookstores, Borders Books, if you remember them. Borders Books was huge. And they would sell so I said, Hey, you want to hold a little dis- display of Halloween CDs at the front of the of the of the um of the, of the counter and they were like yeah sure why not and they sold well and then gavin and i um because ups didn't exist back in 1998 gavin and i hand delivered cds <laughs> one of these um stores and out of the back but it was really cool but like yeah, i don't know why we never shipped but we just yeah it was really cool that we did gavin and i would hand deliver these midnight syndicate cds to these stores all around the cleveland area and it would could be record stores and stuff and 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 or um, a gaming store or anything, but um, it was neat. Um, and then we knew that the haunted houses were going to be critical um, because here's something where we just heard we would go to a haunted house. We know what we heard. It was like a lot of sound effects. It was a lot of Halloween. 
the Halloween theme played over and over. Maybe you get some cool heavy metal, like the ACDC's Hell's Bells and stuff. But they were really limited on what they used because there just wasn't anything. It was either the sound effects or with really retro 50s sounding music or it was like rock and roll. And you and so we were like, when we played it, we were absolutely targeted the big haunted houses. Bloodview is a big one um, from us for us in our in our area. But there's a bunch of them out there. Hudson Haunted House. I can I mean I'm just trying to remember. There was one that uh, Dover Lake Park back there they, they, that year. Um, but also Cedar Point. We're like Cedar Point has a huge event. We're contacting them. Universal Studios. Uh, Universal Studios has has Halloween Horror Nights. We're reaching out to them, and that's what we just did. We literally went to the things and said. And some of the big parks, we just gave them the CD and we said, hey, will you give this a listen? And and um, the response was the same everywhere. They hadn't heard anything like it ever. And um, that was really neat. And that's what helped us get us the traction in the haunted, haunt world because it kept going around. And then we went to Trance World like four months after we released, you know, four or five months after. And that's when we went national because Trans World, you know, that, 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 that you know. Does that answer your question? True. <laughs> No. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jerry's shaking his head. Jerry's shaking his head like ah. Oh man, no. I'm just man. I'm, I'm. I'm. It's like it's a crazy. It's a crazy, crazy story. But it was just you know, once the album was released, that's when the work just started, and you just had to go nuts and just go cold call everybody you can get get the get the CD into their hands and and hope for the best. And that could be a store. That could be a haunted house. That could be an amusement park. Being too vague, you're being too vague. There's not enough information. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, and one of the cool things so about doing—I hate it. I don't mean to ramble. I'm so sorry. One of the cool things about doing like those the deliveries, you know, in the per, in-person deliveries, you actually got to meet the like the store managers or the people selling and or the people selling the music, and you actually got feedback, which is something you could you can't get from shipping. I mean, and I, I know it would have saved a lot of gas and time to ship them, but you know, you don't. There's no personal connection there. If somebody gets a box shipped to them and it says like put this out on display or whatever, here's a box of CDs to throw up on the counter. There's no interface there. There's no like this is what this is or hey i really like that song i heard it you know yesterday when we were playing it in the store you know that was a cool aspect that i'm not going to say that we intentionally went into it with that in mind but it was always nice to be able to talk to like the managers and stuff and say hey how are they doing how is you know are people responding to it or are they not you know are you playing it i mean you know what exactly where how exactly is it doing what kind of feedback are you getting yeah Yep. You know, I've got to say, um, I think it was 2007, maybe 2008, I walked into a Spirit Halloween, and right by the cash register, they had a, a little display that had Born of the Night and Realm of Shadows. And I looked at the cashier, and I said, what do you know about this? And they said, it's really, really good. So I immediately bought those two, came home, listened to them, and I've been a fan since I put the CD into the CD player. Yeah, very cool. Thanks. Uh, it's it, it it was our uh, getting it into those stores and stuff like that was our equivalent of radio airplay, and getting it into the you know the haunts too. You know what I mean? A little bit in a way. It helped. It was a it was a Halloween store in San Diego, right up the street from my from my house. And yeah, it was the Spirit Halloween. Now that I think about it, um, this was probably two thousand, I think maybe, and uh, no. 2001, 2002. Yeah, that's right. right. 2001 or two sounds more like it. That's when we finally. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I walked in and they were playing this music and I looked at the guy. I go, who is this? 
And he held up, you know, he handed me the CD and I went, okay, sold. I mean, literally it, I was in the store, not even 30 seconds and it was vampire. Oh, yeah. Right. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, that's so good. So cool. And I proceeded to take it. I went home and I took, I had a little, my, my original recording studio, which was, you know, was powered by hamsters. <laughs> I uploaded the tracks I liked off the album and went and staged them to blend from one to the other, put in sound effects and burnt my own mixtape mix, mix CD. And I still have that CD to this day that when I was doing my home haunt in my yard haunt, I had that playing in the, in the, uh, cool. in the graveyard. How cool. That's awesome. And I would expect nothing less for you. Like, I like this, but this I is don't wonderful. use my own. I use yours. You're not getting any royalties from me. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. Yeah. That was, uh, of, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't speaking mean. of royalties, what was the, the uh, decision to go royalty free? I mean, you mentioned that other haunts were playing, were playing metal music like ACDC or whatever. I assume they had copyright issues with some of those BMI ASCAP or whoever would sure. crack down on them at the time. But you guys were the, you were the first band I ever heard of that said, our music is royalty free. You buy the CD, you can use it as you wish. And I well, was like, what a concept. How did that come about? Well, yeah. And, it, and we should, we should clarify one thing. Cause it's like, it, here, because the music the music camp is not it's not it's not necessarily royalty free. What we did do though is work with the haunts. We looked at it is and like we're in this together. Let's work together. That and I'll tell you how it came about. As the as the haunt industry grew and it was really growing at a at, a, at an incredible pace Absolutely, in the late nineties, right. early two thousands. They started really. There were some big things. You had like haunts and at Madison Square Gardens and it's, it's getting to be a big industry and so suddenly BMI and ASCAP who are responsible for um, policing the use of music in any kind of live uh, uh, live broadcast live event started taking notice of haunted houses of all haunted houses and they and to a you know um, and so they started cracking down on some of these haunted houses that were using the music, just like we were just we were talking about, and some of these haunts um, were worried about the, the the repercussions, and or maybe they couldn't afford the fees that they were offering at the time. Because again, I don't know what they were asking for back then, but it was new. ASCAP and BMI, the haunt industry was new for ASCAP and BMI, so maybe they were going with rates that were much higher than what they needed to be. They hadn't found where they needed to be yet, but they were coming at them with some high rates, at least from what the haunt owners were telling us. So, so what we knew that they were, in a, they were in a, that our, our, our friends in the haunt industry were in a pickle. And, and, and the idea was like, look, we're, we're in this together. So I said, so what we said is, Hey, look, let's work something out. If, if you want, if you use the music of midnight syndicate in your, in your haunt, we'll, We'll say, hey, you have permission to use our, our our music, and you can do whatever you want with it in your haunt and for commercial or something like that. But in exchange, we need you to hang up this poster that says, hey, the haunt's using the music of Midnight Syndicate, and you need a place at some place where people could see. And we said, and and the cool thing was then, okay, so if somebody from BMI or ASCAP comes up to you, you can show them that we have an agreement here, and this is our exchange. And 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 what it did is it just you know. Um, 
it was a win-win for everybody. You know what I mean? But we looked at it as more like helping our friends out. You know, you get to you know these haunt owners and these people, and you know they're they're fans, they're supporters, they're friends, and and we wanted to um do something to you know help them out. And we just we looked at it like, hey, we're all in this together. We're all small independent business people. Let's let's work together and, and see what we can do to help each other. And that's that's how the um, the haunt registry started. And we would do it with every year. Every year we would send out new posters with new um, with the new album on it and, and uh, send out the posters uh, as you registered. And now we still do it. Um, we used to make it that you have to register every year. Now we don't. As long as you've registered with us and you're up on our website, you're um, you're you're good. And we're we're, we're just continually working at the hunt registry thing. But it's it's um it's been going for for a really long time, and it's been uh, a good thing, I, I think. Posters were awesome and also very effective. I mean, I loved how you guys would get that stuff out to the haunts. You know, it'd be out there early. It'd be, it, you know, could get them in hand by August, which was really cool. And the neatest thing was it, it was like a movie poster. It was like the full size and it looked like a movie poster, which was real neat too. I loved it as, you know, an actor and a management type of thing too, because, you know, the, the haunt I was working for is a hayride, which is very dependent upon a soundtrack. We actually had a soundtrack on the hayride. So having music out in our queue, having music as we're loading up the hayrides in the greenhouse was an important factor, and you had to set the tone. And Midnight Syndicate would usually be that tone that was helping us set the story we're about to tell on the hayride. And people would be so impressed with the music, so so taken by it, that they'd ask me, usually I'm in character, what's this music? And even as a character cue line, it was fantastic to just be able to point at the Midnight Syndicate poster and go, them. And that's one of the neatest things. But that had such an impact. You know, people would be breaking this expectation of what they're about to do at the haunt because they needed to know where this music was coming from, which is sort of the experience I even had with you guys to first start off with, you know, is neat as generic. I wasn't in a store and heard you guys. I was in a haunt. I was working for spooky world up in uh, new England. My first year, like, um, uh, I think like 2001, 2002. And, you know, to, to find that difference in stuff in, in the haunted attractions themselves in the houses was really cool. And go, Oh yeah, this is midnight syndicate. We use this. We have to, this is, this is, this is haunting now. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Awesome. And I'm, <laughs> basic, I'm basically tone deaf. So, you know, even to make an impression on me says something. Oh, well, that's <laughs> awesome. That's like, the, that's the best, that's the best story. That's so cool. I mean, and then, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, the first time I heard you guys was probably around 2002 was my first year working at Scarowinds and in the dressing rooms, everyone's putting on makeup and this ambient music is playing in the background. I'm so like, this is interesting. <laughs> I didn't know who it was at the time. I never asked, but, you know, working in the park, you'd hear it interdispersed with the Halloween theme, the psycho theme and stuff like every every 10 or 15 minutes during the night, you'd hear a song that sounded remarkably like you guys. And it was for a couple of years. And I was, I never really thought about much about, you know, who was it? I just thought it was just some cool music that was out there. And then the previous podcast we all worked for interviewed you guys one time. And that's when I realized, Oh my gosh, that's midnight syndicate. That's cool. And then, you know, we started going to conventions and things. And that's when I ran into Ed at Transworld and, you know, finally met Gavin. Yes, he does exist. <laughs> and, and all that good stuff. And 
And well, you know, we, we've met a, a bunch of other people, you know, Virgil Franklin, you know, you know Jerry Vane, you know, the, the other people out there that do this kind of music. Um, do you do you look upon that kind of music as kind of an homage to you guys? Or is it like imitations, a sincerest form of flattery? Although, you know, a lot of them, they have they have obviously been influenced by your music, but, you know, most of them have their own distinct style. But but, you know. If you're out there and you hear, you know, Gathering of Darkness or Shadow Symphony or Virgil Franklin, what do you guys think? I assume I, you know these guys and oh, are yeah. friends with some of I, them. Well, Gavin, do you want to start? I, I... Sure. Um, no, I think it's really cool, actually. I mean, it's 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 never like a bad thing. I mean, if somebody's inspired by something that we've done, that's awesome because they'll always you know, put their own spin on it. I mean, I think it's kind of inevitable, you know, I mean, you're going to bring your own influences to it and kind of take it off in its own direction. And I don't know, the more creepy stuff that's out there, you know, that's all good, man. <laughs> you know, like I, you know, cause when we started there, there was kind of like really nothing like that. It was like either you were playing movie soundtracks or hoping for like, you know, that one of the sound effects tapes that you bought or records or whatever was decent, you know, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's really it's really cool to see. I mean, it's very it is very flattering too. Oh, it's it's very flattering and it's awesome because just as Gavin said, you know, you know, especially like Jerry's the perfect example. Somebody who takes it and really takes it and makes it their own. We didn't have any electronic any any distort distorted guitars on our music. Well, that's not the first album, but like since Born of the Night, none of that. So Jerry took a little bit of what he liked about us and ran with it and did and created a whole new sound um, that. Also, in turn, uh, gave Haunts a whole new palette to work from when they're designing the um, soundtrack for their Haunts. So, I mean, no, it's all it's all very good, and it's 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 wonderful. And there are there are a lot. There's just a lot out there now, and I think, and that's not that's not a that's not a bad thing. But um, now, like soundtracks to imaginary films, there's like. A, there's a ton of people that are, are putting those out and slapping them, you know, putting them on, on YouTube. You see a lot, uh, especially, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's cool to see where, where things have gone. I tried to not copy you guys. And, you know, I mean, you know, they say, you know, uh, plagiarism is the most sincere form of flattery. Um, <laughs> oh no! Wait, that's ripping off. Never mind. Um, I tried to, <laughs> I, I I tried to do what you guys did, but with guitars, using volume swells and delays and everything, because um, up until uh, Circus of Nightmares, that's all I had to work with was guitars. And then with Circus of Nightmares, I started slowly bringing in keyboards and synth, and then uh, and then even more on Black Moon. And uh, trying to find a balance. And, I mean, I will say that you guys were a very big uh, influence, um, not just in the haunt music, but with my own compositions outside of what I do haunt-wise. I mean, Ed, you've heard the track that I did for the TV show. Gavin, I sent it to you, but I don't know if, don't know if you've ever listened to it or not. Um, but... Uh, I mean, listening to you guys and listening to what you did, not just with the haunt stuff, but with the Christmas album and uh, Monsters of Legends, you know, which is one of my t top five Midnight Syndicate albums. Um, you brought in a whole different palette that made me go, okay, I want to see if I can do that. 
And Lord knows I've driven, I, you know, when you guys asked me to do a uh, Dead Matter sound, uh, song for the Dead Matter soundtrack, I drove poor Gavin up the damn wall. <laughs> how, many, how many times did I message you in, t- in a two-week time span? Here's a change to the song. Here's a change to the song, and you're going, dude, what the f- I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't hear anything different. There are a few revisions on that one, but it's all good. That's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, get, I get it, though, because you good. want to be right. I mean, it's like, you know... I, we run into the same thing on the production side too. We'll like tweak EQ on some oh. some track or whatever, like in ways that the average listener is never ever ever going to hear. But it's like to us, it makes a huge difference. And it's like, no, it's I think it's just being creative, being an artist and stuff. You, you know, you want it, you've got it in your head, and you want it to be as close to that as you can. You know, yeah. and, and, you, and I want to I want to bring this up because I kind of glossed over it, and that is that we have our own influences, not like you know writing orchestral instrumental music is, is anything, uh, uh, you know, uh, original. I mean, it's classical music. It's one of the oldest, you know, out there. And, you know, people like John Carpenter and John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith and Danny Elfman are the, um, a lot of movie score, are the people that influenced us, that and like, and heavy metal artists that, you know, um, um, like King Diamond and Black, Black Sabbath and, uh, and stuff and uh, bands like that. Um, they influenced our sound. So we're all, every, all musicians are taking things that they like from other musicians and taking influences and being inspired by them and going on to create their own stuff. So this is just the cycle, I think. I think it's the cycle. It's just what happens. Right. <laughs> definitely. And we can definitely say that, you know, a lot of these people have come out and put an album or two out of stuff that sounds, you know, Midnight Syndicate influenced and, and then they, disappear and you never hear from them again but after 25 years you're still out there and you're still cranking it out still putting it out so you know our congratulations to you on that thank you thank you any Wait, other I, questions I, from the put out another damn album good grief <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of why we had them on the show no <laughs> anything else from the hosts come on storm you 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 have a question just waiting. Uh, I, I usually do. And it, I mean, it's always fun. We always learn something new about uh, Gavin and Ed, which is always fun. I was actually going through trying to find uh, one of the old pictures I'd taken at the haunt, which had the poster up and we'd had it on this box, which actually housed our audio in the greenhouse. And I think we have like a tentacle or something breaking out of it. So it's like coming out of the box. <laughs> I, I can't remember what year and what folder it's in. I got like 10 years of haunt folders. So I was looking through that. My brain melting too uh because it's the weekend and, and normal craziness but um um you know uh, one thing i'm wondering is uh you know with the pandemic did you guys do anything special with the free time with the so-called downtime is there anything that's coming together on you know projects for midnight syndicate or other projects you'd want to do were, were you able to take advantage of any of that time for anything creative you know inquiring minds want to know <laughs> Um, I, I actually did. I, um, boy, this, it was an idea that started, uh, years ago, actually with one song. Um, and this is referring to my, my parlor music, uh, Victorian music project. Uh, I ran into a song called our house is haunted. It, it was, you know, this is period sheet music shortly after, um, finishing that it's not the coat makes the gentleman album back in 2007 i'm like oh cool it's like a victorian song about a haunted house like how cool is that and i kick this thing around every time i'd like pull it out where am i going to use this it's, it doesn't belong on anything so 
I was thinking about it again, and I'm like, all right, let's let's do something with this thing. Let's see if I can get it out there. Um, so the idea came up of doing maybe like an EP. Um, you know, I, I started working on that around August or so, and I, I thought, well, let's do a three-song thing and get it out there and then kind of go from there. If it, if, if it comes together and I get it done in time, great. Maybe we'll do something else. Um, and actually, in the meanwhile, I had run across a number of other Victorian, um, you know, supernaturally themed songs. Uh, so that song that Our House is Haunted didn't even end up on the, the EP, which is called September More, and that's the, the title track. It was that song, two versions of that song, and another instrumental. And I got it out in September. I'm like, okay, cool, you know, getting the sound together here. It came out, I'm happy with it and stuff. Let's see what's next. You know, maybe we'll pull some of these other tracks together. And, and all this kind of working towards maybe doing something full length, but, you know, it's one of those things I, I've learned, you know, through past mistakes like don't commit yourself to things too prematurely because that's when they have a tendency to not work out, you know, and I didn't want to say, yeah, there's this like album coming out and stuff and then not have it come out in time for, you know, I wanted to do a Halloween thing. So put another couple of songs together, three songs for another EP that was in autumn time. That was the beginning of October, I believe. And in the meanwhile, I'm kind of pulling all these other tracks together. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get this thing done, you know. So um, just kind of working constantly through October, um, I, I finished the recordings for what was what ended up being uh, Grinning at the Daisy Roots, which is actually a Victorian term from being dead. I, I know probably a lot of people are like, what is this weird title about Daisy Roots? That's basically what that means is if you're grinning at the Daisy Roots, it means you're dead. Um, so that came out right before. It was like the week of Halloween and stuff. And... Um, I, I just, you know, I was really, really happy with, I finally, I think I finally solidified the sound of Parlor Muse. I did some things production wise, uh, differently than I had done in the past, uh, instrumentally too, you know, I was trying to kind of give it its own little sound and stuff for those two EPs and then the album. Um, and then I followed that up in November with my first ever live stream, which was interesting. Um, it was fun, but riddled with technical things. <laughs> As, as I guess any first will will have happened, but you know it, it happened and stuff, and um, glad that glad that that uh, that took off and stuff. So yeah, I, I don't know. I was just figured I'd, I'd capitalize on the downtime a little bit. I was enjoying that actually. I was watching the live stream. That was fun. Yo, thanks. When I when I finally got it working, you mean? <laughs> just in general. Oh, that's cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning because in. Because I've only heard bits and pieces of Parlor Muse. So to, to, to hear this whole thing going, it's like, okay, this is a whole different side. I mean, you've got Ed has his side project with, with Vinyl Arcade, and you've got Parlor Muse, so it's nice to see different sides of your musical personalities outside of Midnight Syndicate. You know, and I, I definitely pulled from, I mean, even though the music is very different, um, Grinning at the Daisy Roots is not all dark. There's some songs that are that are definitely lyrically very haunting and musically very haunting, but there's a lot of stuff on there that's like kind of up-tempo and it's in a major key, but, you know, it still pulls from the same, I guess, influence base or interest in the supernatural that Midnight Syndicate pulls from. It's like they're, they share kind of the same source, even though the expression is different. And you and and then and, and um, on the Midnight Syndicate front, I should say that you know a lot of the work on the, on the live album uh, was was we took advantage to do that, and additionally um, some of the um, music uh, uh, you know uh, some more original music that we'll be releasing at some point. Um, you know that's what I, I worked on, and then we did the the music for Halloween Horror Nights album. Uh, last year too so that was kind of cool that was a 
a limited edition uh, collection of music that uh, Universal Orlando uses. They just pick the songs that they use that they use the most over the la- over Halloween Horror Nights history, plus a bunch of uh, songs that involve narrations that they had added and, and and some songs that we had done custom. Gavin had written two songs for Halloween Horror Nights back in 2007, so both those were on there. And, and we released that in... They released that. They sold it just in the store um, in in September. And, and they didn't know how it was going to go because there was no Halloween Horror Nights event this uh, last year. Um and uh, they put it out. It was like 500 vinyl records, and they sold out in 48 hours, less than 48 hours. So um, I would say that people can uh, keep their eyes open for a re-release of that, so that more people could get that this year. Oh, awesome! Is that is that still going to be special on vinyl, or for you know the hipster haunters? Or are you actually going to have CD or a download? For I it? don't, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I know vinyl is a huge component of it for sure. Yeah. Definitely. I, I remember seeing that. I was actually going to bring that up real quick. I was trying to remember. I go, when was that? That was this year. Because I saw people. I, I, it's great because I saw haunters, go, you know, reaching out to any haunter they knew in Orlando going, could you like get in line and try and get me? I mean, they were mm-hmm. gone so quick. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was really, um, uh, it was exciting. It was cool, but it was also unexpected. They, um, like had to be unexpected because like, yeah, it was, uh, they didn't make they, the first day they were almost sold out. They found some more in the, in the warehouse and they put them out and they were gone within a matter of hours. So, um, that showed them that there's definitely a demand for that, uh, that album on vinyl. So I think we can expect to see more of those this year, um, uh, for certain, for certain. Uh, now are you guys planning on doing any more vinyl releases? Cause I know you put up one out for monsters of legend, which unfortunately I missed out on. Um, uh, we definitely are, Jerry. It's it's a big thing. I love vinyl. Uh, I'm I'm collecting like crazy. Um, and um, we uh, the live album will be released on vinyl for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't go back and start looking at some Midnight Syndicate releases and and putting them out on on vinyl. Nice. Oh, do, do it. Do a double album of uh, uh, Gates of Delirium and Thirteenth uh, Hour. Yeah, the Havergast Havergast, uh, series. Interesting. And that's right. You did mention mention Havergast again in Monsters of Legend. So, the nerd just kicked in. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the real question is, when are you going to start releasing these on cuss singles? I can't believe that's a thing. I really, I never <laughs> thought I'd see, I'd see cassettes come back. I, I don't get that at all. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a vinyl guy, but I kind of get it. Like from the holding something in your hand, big artwork, you know, whatever. It's a collectible thing. I don't get cassettes at all. I, I mean, they were like so inconvenient. You always had to fast forward or rewind. They were prone to like tangling, and then your cassette was ruined. And I, whatever, man. You know, yeah, I see, I see what I see. Jerry, I got you up, both. But... I got you both beat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I have a copy a, of that. This was actually put out by a lab, uh, Graveyard Product Graveyard Productions. I think it is. No, Graveyard something. I, I'm drawing a blank on the name. Uh, they put these out in uh, when uh, right before I put out uh, Nightmare cool. uh, the, uh, Circus of Nightmares, and um, he actually contacted me like two weeks ago and said, "Hey, I've still got a few of these left. You want them?" I'm like, let me guess, they didn't sell you. He goes, no, you were actually the biggest seller of the catalog. <laughs> wow. 
He said all the other copy. ones. All the other ones tanked. <laughs> <laughs> so I got. So, so he sent me a box. I got a box last week with like fifteen more of these things. Oh, that's cool. No, it's it, it's it's making a comeback in 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 some circles. I don't know if that's our. I don't know if that's our. I don't know if it's our thing. Even though that's what it's to cassettes. And it's just like the old ones you found over at Kmart, black, <laughs> orange oh, with a black label. Classic. That nice. is classic. <laughs> I so. still use music from that when I do some commercials for the show. So, yeah, we can hear yeah. the we can hear the yeah, 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 but you know, speed up, slow down. <laughs> hey, I have my pencil to rewind it whenever it uh, screws up in my boombox. Yeah, there you go. We I got my, pe- my piece of tape. Yes, the tape. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> if you don't have tape, you get a piece of paper from your notebook and wad it up and pop it in. <laughs> Well, guys, I'm looking at the clock here, and we need to probably start winding this down again. So let's review. We have new project coming out this year, live. Is it, is it just called Midnight Syndicate Live? Uh, live Shadows. Live Shadows. And I assume that will be available soon. I think Do we have a release date? June, very early June is what I'm thinking. Nice. Perfect for uh, people to get them in time for Halloween and mm-hmm. the haunt season. Excellent. And uh, there's some other projects coming down the road that you can't discuss at this point, but we certainly hope you will mention those for us when the time is right. And if there is anything going on at Cedar Point or another theme park sometime this year, we certainly would like to hear about that. But um, for people wanting more information about Midnight Syndicate and their 25-year history, maybe purchase some CDs that they don't have to round out their collection or anything that may be coming out on vinyl or anything like that. And plus, you know, Ed and Gavin both have side projects. How can people get more information? Maybe some parlor muse music, maybe some vinyl arcade music, maybe some other stuff. Where can they find all that information with websites and social medias? Ed, let's start with you. Say midnight syndicate. That is midnight syndicate.com. Go if you go check it out there, you can find out things that we have for sale. If you'd prefer to uh, hear us on YouTube and Spotify, give a little listen. All the links are right there on the front page of midnightsyndicate.com. So I strongly uh, encourage everybody uh, to go check it out. And Gavin, I'll let you do your your website. Yeah. Well, I want you to I want you to plug Vinyl Arcade because you are now playing live again. Uh, yeah, yes. Vinyl Arcade is a band that, that plays in the in the, the northeastern Ohio area primarily right now, and um, we are among the nation, if not the first TV theme cover band. We are among the first TV theme cover bands out there. So I'll leave it at that. But you can check out Vinyl <laughs> Arcade and still playing the uh, Fender Aerodyne. Yes, yes, I am, sir. Nice. Once this damn thing lets people travel again, we can actually go somewhere without you know coming. You know, coming out with two heads and five arms. <laughs> uh, yeah, my wife and I have already discussed. Uh, oh, you're playing that weekend, huh? Yeah. We have friends that live up there. Yeah. Went there and go. Oh shit, that idiot's here. <laughs> awesome. Gavin, how about you? Where can people find out information about Parlor Muse? I know you do the the uh, anime con circuit on occasion. I'm not sure how how many no. of those are scheduled for the. Uh, for the future, but what's going be on? A big, a big uh, zero on that one, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> it's uh, I'm already hearing cancellations for uh, for this year, which is 
kind of depressing, but I'm hoping that maybe, you know, when summer hits and stuff, at least some of the summer cons will start running. But um, in the meanwhile, though, if you need anime accessories like art books, binders and notebooks and all kinds of fun stuff, that is homecirclemedia.com, H-O-M-E-C-A-R-C-L-E-M-E-D-I-A.com. Uh, ParlorMuse is ParlorMuse.com, P-A-R-L-O-R-M-U-S-E.com. Uh, that's the Victorian Music uh, Project. Uh, I also have SutilInversion.com, um, which... Actually, in 2019, uh, released uh, an EP of ghostly original ghostly uh, songs that I had been writing back in the 90s and stuff, but never recorded. So I kind of did updated arrangements. And uh, that, in fact, that song that uh, Ed mentioned before, um, it's called Sleepless. That, that's on there, as well as one original, uh, one newer original instrumental track. Uh, that's uh, S-U-B-T-L-E-I-N-V-E-R-S-I-O-N.com. Um, and Bandcamp is an easy way to find those projects, too. You know, you've got Bandcamp pages for everything. So uh, there you go. That's, is that Subtle Inversions? Yeah, yep. Just Subtle subtle one, Subtle Inversion, not yep. plural. Correct. Not plural. Subtleinversion.com. Yep. Cool, yes. I'm going to check that out. You gotta hear Sleepless. You've got to hear the song Sleepless from yeah. Subtle Inversion. That is the song that I heard Gavin playing in the coffee house, and that was the moment I was like, oh my god, we must work together on Midnight Syndicate. And once anybody hears it, you will totally see what I am saying. You will totally understand. You'll get it. You'll be like, wow. No, no so he's going to go there and be like, yeah, what? It's, it's okay. No, it's- no, they can't, they can't. It's that good. That song is so good. I have it on rotation all the time, twenty all year. Just it'll come up on my playlist. I need to hear it. It's fantastic. Oh, geez. Mm, it Thank is. you for the strong endorsement. It is. <laughs> no, no. Everybody listen to it. You tell me what you think. Oh, my no, God. No, no, no. He, he's not making it. Wait, you just raised the bar now on poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's worth it. It's worth it. You'll see it. You'll see. You'll see how it, it, it sounds very Midnight Syndicate Gavin with only it's got lyrics and there's just another, total another element to it. But boy, when you hear it. But it is a weird EP, though. I'll warn everybody in advance. It's, like, kind of diverse musically. Like, there's, you know, some more, like, atmospheric electronic stuff on there. And then there's the song called The Night Hounds, which is, like, just metal, kind of, you know, my version of metal and, nice. and stuff. So just go in, go in with, like, an open mind because the songs are kind of all over the map. But I guess that's – I was kind of writing that way back in the late 90s. I don't know. So subtleinversion.com. Look for the yeah. song Sleepless. Hmm. Wonder if it'll keep you awake at night. <laughs> but I'm um, sorry. But Ed Douglas and Gavin Gosgett, it is always a pleasure to have you here on the Big Scary Show. We can't wait to hear the new stuff for Live Shadows coming out, hopefully in June, as well as any future projects that may be coming out the remainder of the year. We will certainly tune into MidnightSyndicate.com and keep up with all the updates. And I know that's Midnight Syndicate on all the social medias as well. But we can't do this show without our great hosts and their questions, including Storm. I, I love that, you know, we've had you guys on so many times. We learn something new each time. You know, Gavin being his experimental phase when he'd go to bed at 8 o'clock in college. So now I'm just going <laughs> to refer to Gavin as the David Byrne of the haunt industry, <laughs> which is fantastic. Oh, my Lord. But he I'm does going- not... He does not unresemble him either. I'm not going to promise that I get to sleep at 8 o'clock in college. (laughs) These are the days of like dungeoning all night, man. I I think like 2, 3 in the morning is more like it. I I was just going with, oh, that show would come on at 8 and I'd fall asleep to it. So I was just going with that, starting the rumors now. 
I'm starting the rumors now. You're but right. I'm going I'm going full ultimate hipster. You know, I'm going hold out for the 25 years of Midnight Syndicate on 8 track. Mm. Oh wow. 78 wow. real to real. Wow. <laughs> so does does this mean Gavin will release Parlor Muse on wax cylinders? Ooh, oh man. You know those things are so delicate. I'd love to do that. Just like as a collectible thing. So delicate. Hook it up to your controller. <laughs> Hand crank it while you're going. There oh, you go. Nice syndicate be, escape room. It's all wax cylinders. That's <laughs> oh, how you, you got to play the right music and not melt it. Yes. The temperature keep, awesome. keeps going up every minute. I like this. This is heading in a good direction. Well, we try. We also like to thank Meat Hook Jim. I am firmly convinced that Gavin Gosca is completely computer generated AI that loves Victorian music. I will not disagree. I, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> That's exactly what he would say. Damn. That's exactly what an AI would say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We'd also like to thank the instrumentalist, Jerry Vane. <laughs> See, I can't do a Siri voice, otherwise I'd break that out, you know. Nice. <laughs> My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, reminding you to look for my brand new band, The Daisy Roots, coming soon to nowhere near you. This is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Jesus. <laughs> was, was that The Daisy Chain? No, The Daisy Roots. Okay. The Daisy Duke. Nice Daisy Roots. I got the, I got the uh, reference. <laughs> Somebody out there has got to be going, like, what the heck? Why, why is it... Why is an album involving the supernatural called something with daisies in it? And it's like, well, hey, it, at least it's memorable. <laughs> we'll be pushing them up any moment now, right? Right? Hey, hey guys. Uh -huh. house owners, actors, and enthusiasts, join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Midnight Syndicate, Midnight Syndicate, Midnight Syndicate, Nocturnus, on the Big Scary Show, Big Scary Show.
From the spine-chilling world of the living dead comes a never-to-be-forgotten combination of motion picture thrills. Two great new terror hits on one sensational program at your movie theater. Horror of Dracula. Plus, the thing that couldn't die. Horror of Dracula. Dracula, the terrifying lover who lusts for human blood. Dracula, the human vampire who rises each night from his coffin bed to seek the rendezvous that alone can keep him alive. Who will be the bride of Dracula tonight? Horror of Dracula. All new and in flaming technicolor. Plus this second thrill hit. A thing that couldn't die. What is it, this head that lives without a body? A monstrous thing that enslaves every woman, destroys every man who stares into its eyes. See both on the same show. Horror of Dracula and the thing that couldn't die. Greetings, listeners, listeners. and welcome. welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. torso. It's time time. for Between between the, the... Corpses. Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. And on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are traveling to the Asian country of Taiwan. Taiwan's death rituals offer a bridge with the afterlife that stems from multiple spiritual sources. Buddhists, who make up 35% of Taiwan's population, believe in multiple lives. Through faith and devotion to Buddha and the accumulation of good deeds, a person can be freed from the cycle of reincarnation to achieve nirvana, or a state of perfect enlightenment. This belief is fused with elements of the island's other belief systems including Taoism, indigenous spirituality, and Christianity. Together they form death customs that showcase Taiwan's multiculturalism. In the streets of Taiwan's metropolises and villages alike, temples, churches, and wooden ancestor carvings invite one to contemplate eternity while the odors of nearby food vendors, such as stinky tofu, a local delicacy, tempt people to pause and enjoy earthly delights afterward. The rituals associated with passing from this life include cemetery burial or traditional cremation practices. The dead are cremated and placed in special urns in Buddhist temples. Other rite involves burning of what are known as hell bank notes. These are specially printed non-legal tender bills that may range from US 10,000 to several billions. One side of these notes is an image of the Jade Emperor, the presiding monarch of heaven in Taoism. These bills can be obtained in any temple or even 7-Eleven in Taiwan. The belief is that the spirits of ancestors might return to complain if not given sufficient spending money for the afterlife. Well, that's a quick look into a few things about Taiwan and it's interesting about these banknotes, the hell banknotes no less. I hope you enjoyed this brief episode, and we will catch you on the next show. Passion is what drives us. The passion to be the best. For over ten years, that passion has taken us from eBay to becoming the driving force in the haunted house industry. And we are just getting started. Flex props to nine foot giants. Great details, great.
Midnight Syndicate. Midnight Syndicate. Sleep. Sleep. On the Pig Scary Show. Scary Show. Trip into a nightmare of evil with Guess What Happened to Count Dracula. He's back from the grave to rule the satanic occult-ridden world of today's mind-blown youth. <laughs> Guess What Happened to Count Dracula will trip you into a blood-smeared torture chamber and you'll never get out. Don't see it alone. See it with someone you trust. You'll plunge into a nightmare of evil, thrills, chills, horror, terror, shock, panic, and violence, climaxing in an orgy of blood and death. Rated GP. Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karam. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karam. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karam.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenline Studios. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Creepy Collection. And Von Caron Productions. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse as well as the Forga hosts, including Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com, Badger, Actor, Trainer, and Consultant, RabbitBadger.org, Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com, and Jerry Vane, The Haunstrumentalist, JerryVane.com. And finally, you. Without you, the listener, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.